Jim Knowles, the transfer portal, and me and Davis go bowling. All that and more next on Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome back to Dot in the Eye with Davis and Chad. We are on episode 39, and man, it is good to be back on this microphone. We got a lot of stuff to talk about that we've missed. We're talking about a new defensive coordinator. We're talking about transfer portals. We're talking about new coaches. We're talking about Desmond Howard being a jackass. We're talking about bowl picks. We're talking about all kind of stuff, and I'm just glad to be back. How say you, Mr. Davis? Yeah, tired of the work week, man. Just uh, looking for a little reprieve from, you know, the daily grind and raising a new baby and just trying to get a little bit of a break and kind of reimmerse myself back in the college football because, you know, a lot for a lot of us, it really feels like the season's already over. Uh, but there's still plenty to look forward to, plenty to talk about. And I know one thing that we're not really going to talk about today, but, you know, National Signing Day is tomorrow. And uh, we've already had a couple uh, key players that have committed. I think one uh, key five-star that's going to be reclassifying to uh, this next year in early enrolling. So, you know, there's a lot of bright side to look up to in regards to our future. And I'm hoping that tomorrow is another good day. Yeah, I'm hoping tomorrow on Facebook we get to share a lot of booms. Uh, That'd be nice. Speaking of booms, as everybody knows by now, I'm sure that Ryan Day decided to make a huge move and hire a new defensive coordinator and Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State and pay him $1.9 million. Davis, how do you feel about this, dude? How's this move grab you? Um, One is I think we kind of got stuck in a bit of a bidding war. I'm not going to say the guy's not worth it, but I think that we should be a little bit cautious by this move. And I'll try to not be too long-winded, but just say this, that he's the highest-paid Um, I think assistant Ohio State coach ever, which means, you know, Ryan Day and Brian Hartline and all these other coaches are going to start going up to Gene Smith being like, "Uh, hey, you know, Ryan Day is what, maybe only the fourth highest paid coach in the Big Ten. You know, at some point, you know, they're going to realize that, you know, they need to be paid more. And I can see that maybe becoming a problem and it might affect some coaching issues here in the near future. The other thing, too, is I know it was a three-year deal he signed, and I think that's good for him, and I think that's probably good because I don't think – if you've actually paid attention to what Jim Knowles has done, he's very complex with some of his defensive schemes. One of the reasons why he was successful at Oklahoma State this year is he had a very veteran team. Uh, They had a lot of old players that had been in the system for a while – and therefore, you know, they're intelligent. They know what to expect. They've learned this and they were able to implement it. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if if I'm sitting here right now that I have the utmost confidence that we're just going to magically see this humongous change because, you know, the one problem is if we can get all these players in the right spots um, and actually call a defense that is more conducive to the talent we have on the team. But it's another thing that they understand the defense and they're, you know, not having to react after the fact or they're unsure of where they're supposed to be, which kind of looked like the way we did at the beginning of the season. So I'm excited in the fact that he's he's shown that he can develop a, a, a top defense, especially on the Big 12, where they don't really focus much on defense. Um, I have confidence that he can um, implement something good here, especially with better players than he's probably used to dealing with. But, you know, I, I still hold some reservation more till I kind of see some of the results on the field. Now, I'm not saying that I expect him to have just a top five defense already, but the defense doesn't need to be a liability, if that makes sense. Yeah, a couple of things. I agree with some of the stuff you said, especially about I think the talent gap is going to be the biggest story here because he's coming into Ohio State where he's going to have four and five star guys all over the field, whereas he may have had just a couple at Oklahoma State. So I think that's going to be a huge advantage for him. But I will say this. I actually like this move. I like it because Jim Knowles at Duke and at Oklahoma State has a really good rapport for gradually improving a defense as time goes on. Like you said, the only issue is, though, he's dealing with a lot less, well, good football players. Where here he has a lot better football players. So I think that's going to only speed up that timeline. Now, do I think we're going to come out of the gate next year and be 
just lights out defense. I don't. But I think we will start to improve. And I think by the time he leaves here, we'll be hoping he stays. That's what I truly believe. And, dude, I watched some videos on him on YouTube. Uh, they did, like, some kind of, you know, specials and documentary things on him when he's coaching for Oklahoma State. And he's a really weird guy, man. And I kind of dig it. Like, I dig the fact that, like, he walks on the back of his shoes. All of his shoes are broken down on the back. He said that he does that because in case he needs to escape, he can get out of his shoes quicker, which I was like, okay, but yeah. And they also said that he walks around with his coffee cup. This is my favorite. Cause it's something I would do. He said some days he just says, Hey, I'm not yelling today. And he carries around a coffee cup that just says that ain't it on it. And he just points to it. That ain't it. You know what I mean? I like that. Like kind of a quirky guy. You know what I mean? Like kind of a fun guy to be around and everybody's had nothing but good things to say about him even though he's leaving Oklahoma State. So, like, all that stuff put together kind of means something to me, along with the statistical advantages and, and defensive things that he's done. So, I'm actually looking forward to it. My question to you, though, since he's here and we're paying him $1.9 million a year, who's leaving? Well, um, I'm not exactly 100% sure what the restrictions are and how many coaches you're allowed to have on staff, but I'm not even 100% convinced at this point that they could even – that they even need to get rid of someone because uh, Matt Barnes was not the defensive coordinator. I know they kind of regave him that role. And if Kerry Combs is willing to move back to DB coach, which is ideal, which we really want him to, I don't know if he'd be willing to do that. Um, there's a chance that we may not have to get rid of anyone. I mean, I guess the one that we would probably expend would be Kerry Combs. But, you know, as long as he's not the defensive coordinator, I think Kerry Combs is a really good coach and I think he's a good motivator. So I don't really know who you would get rid of at that point, or even if it's someone on the offensive side of the ball that you would get rid of. Well, I don't know what Kerry Combs is making um, off the top of my head. He's making defensive coordinator money. So, and I know that this guy's making more than that, but I'm just saying, I don't know that Ryan Day is going to allow that much salary. Well, it has nothing to do with Ryan Day. That has to do with Ohio State and, you know, what they're willing to pay out. But I think by well, it does, them, but it also has to do with, like you said earlier, uh, your your other coaches, you can't not take care of them, but keep two defensive coordinators on. Well, they're not. You gonna, know what I mean? They're, like they're not going to keep two defensive coordinators. Someone's going to have to take a pay cut and and stay on with a different role. Would be my assumption, or they'd just be let go. You know, I, I mean, again, my biggest worry, like I had mentioned, is these other coaches, including Ryan Day, which is kind of probably why you're hearing this you know, rumbles and rumors about, hey, Ryan Day maybe going to coach the Bears once uh, Na um, Nagy is fired from Chicago or may pot potentially go to um, the, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, I think it's more a power play to try to gain some leverage, be like, hey, listen, you know, you need to be paying me more. But, you know, I can see this being a bit of an issue. So Ohio State's going to have to start forking this money out. I know they got the money to do it. So they just need to go ahead and start paying these coaches and try to, you know, get some get some structure and some uh, continuity going. So that way we're not kind of breaking up the band here. I mean, we're trying to build something again, it seems like, you know, because we've been a little bit broken the last couple of years. If we end up losing a head coach in a process, I mean, that's going to turn it all upside down all over again. I, I do. And I think that's where we're headed, both as a player and as a coach. One of the things we wanted to talk about coming into this episode was this transfer portal, man, and just kind of the havoc that that it's caused on, on many different levels and for many different reasons. But I guess, you know, notable guys we lost, of course, the, the mighty mullet, um, who I heard is going to, you know, commit to Texas or committed to Texas. He has. He's already committed. Craig Young, no big deal. Okay, he wanted to transfer. I get that one. I don't know yeah, why he went he, to Kansas. You saw where he went, didn't you? Yeah, Kansas, of yeah. all places. I mean, but hey, listen, I mean, I'll, I'll support, like— there's a handful of guys. I'm not going to support every single guy that leaves Ohio State, you know, but there's a handful of guys. I like Craig Young. I thought he did a good job for the team. I wish he would have stayed. Um, I'm not sure what the reasoning for that was because he got significant playing time there at the end of the season, did he not? I know the next guy we're going to talk about, Ryan Watts, was the one that hurt me. Yeah, that one hurt too because that affected our uh, – our backfield depth and it was someone that I know that we were high on and we were looking forward to him starting, get starting to get into the rotation. So yeah. And he's going to Texas. Yeah. With Quinn Ewers, that hurts even more when guys are like teaming up and going to different schools. But, but anyway, you know, 
so one of the things I want to talk about, man, was just the NCAA passed that rule to where you get a one-time transfer with no penalty to play so you can play immediately during your tenure of college football, during your eligibility. How, to you, has it affected college football? Well, to be completely honest, between that new rule now and the NCAA has really taken a big step back from a lot of this stuff and kind of given the schools and everything more power, and then you mix that with the NIL money, I mean, we are in the age, the new age of college football free agency. And the players, more times than not now, are probably going to go to the highest bidder. Now, I'm not saying these schools are going to come around and say, hey, you come to us, you know, we'll, we'll give you – you know, 750k to come play for us, but uh, we can say that hey, we know that we have nil deals lined up. That if you come to play for us, we know that this company here would is willing to invest you know three quarter million dollars over the next two years for you to do simple signings and whatnot. That's why I'm and, waiting. And I'm that's, waiting for. But that's what's going to happen, and that yeah. we're already seeing it happen with the amount, the massive amount. I mean, I saw something on Twitter the other day that I've never seen before, and it was a player had was waiting for a couple of days to come out and make an announcement about where they're going and had leveled it down to three schools, and it was a transfer player. <laughs> like, yeah. normally you see that for recruits, right? You know, and they're yeah. talking about, I got to whittle down to three schools. Now, this is a transfer player, and you have schools that are almost bidding on him, so to speak. Now... We're just going to be in a different era where um, I don't think some of these big time teams like Ohio State and Alabama and Georgia and whatnot, uh, I don't think they're going to be able to compile or at least keep on the roster as many big time players as they used to. Because with the strict, you know, previous um, rule with the NSA had that, you know, in order to transfer, there had to be hardship or stuff like that. And you had to sit out a year and there were other stipulations. Um, now that you can pretty much go anywhere, at least one time for free with not sitting out. And with this money, um, someone can be a big time name, just like we saw Quinn Ewers do. And they now kind of demand playing time or demand certain things. And if it's not met, they can just up and leave and find a new spot. And, as long as they find another big time school, they can continue to make the money or make more money and ultimately get the playing time that they're looking for. So I feel like this is going to be a huge issue with roster depth moving forward, not just for the big time teams, but for anyone. Now, I think the big time teams are going to be better off because they're still going to have even behind those ones, really quality three star players that can be developed into. I mean, if you look, Chris Olave was a three star player. So you know that that's possible, but I don't think, you know, just having five star after five star after five star waiting in the wings is going to be a thing anymore. You're going to see a lot more parity where these five stars are going to other places and starting more immediately because they can cash in on it. Yeah, I think you're pretty much right. I think the teams that are going to be successful in this are going to be the teams with money. Like I was talking about earlier, I think Oregon at some point, yeah, they're not going to hand out, you know, millions of dollars, but they are tied to Nike. So they are a, a team that could say, hey, man, if you come play for, for Oregon, you know what I mean? We can get you a Nike sponsorship or we can, you know, do this or do that. And I can see that happening a lot of places. One of the things that intrigues me about this, this transfer portal is the fact that, like, Alabama hasn't really felt the effects of this. I would love to know, like, what's being said over there, what, what, what exactly makes these kids stay. Because I feel like since the transfer portal thing broke this year, like everybody else has been going wild, but yet you got four star and five star guys piled on top of each other at Alabama and nobody's going anywhere. So that, that it's kind of odd to me, you know, just the way it's happening. Like what like what's different there is kind of what what I'd like to know. You know what I mean? Is it just Saban, the mantra of Saban, and that's who they want to play for and they're committed to that? Or is it the fact that they think, hey, Saban's putting people in the NFL that didn't even start. So I'm going to stay here because I think it's my best chance. All that stuff compiled together, man, can mean – a lot of things, but on the reverse side, which is something I wanted to talk to you about, on the reverse side of things, if I'm a player, to me, I think it's great. Because you know what? Say say they're like, hey, Ben Davis, we want you to come play football at Ohio State. And you're like, Ryan Day is my guy. I'm coming to play football. And you get there, and Ryan Day gets fired the next year. Or Ryan Day takes an NFL job or transfers somewhere else. You know what I mean? Now you're like, shit, man. You know, I'm stuck here, and I came to play for Ryan Day. So now you get to move. I'm not saying that's the reason it's 
being used right now. I'm just saying it is a good thing as a student athlete to have an out if you by chance make the wrong decision while you're 17 years old. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a decent out. Yeah, I mean that that's already been a rule that I think if there's a coaching change, you get the benefit of the doubt before and you can transfer out for that. And I understand what you're saying and that does make it easier, but ultimately well it wasn't um, a rule, it was a waiver. Yeah, yeah, you but, fill out a waiver. But realistically, the biggest reason why this is a big deal now is the NIL. Is, you know, beforehand a lot of times it was, hey, they just didn't want to wait till they played. Um, or they wanted to hurry up and get their name out there to try to build some draft stock because ultimately once you get drafted is when the money happens, right? You know how the potential to make hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars before you even get drafted. So the pressure to get yourself put on the field and be seen is so much more heightened than it ever used to be. And it now it's almost like, you know, regardless of how good a team is, it's almost like trying to go find a brand name that you know is a team that is going to be constantly seen on social media that's going to be shared because the higher the brand name the more it's seen in public the higher the NI deal potentially could be so that's kind of what i'm seeing is the big reason why a lot of this is really going to be stirred up now is in order for these players to try to start making money ahead of time do you think the fact that the uh, that they granted everybody an extra year of eligibility due to COVID is also affecting all this. Yeah, actually, that's a good point that you brought up because I haven't really thought about it, but it is because there's a handful of players that decided to do that. And there's a very good chance that some of these players were not going to be able to be overtaken for starting spots by these young up and comers. So they're constantly waiting almost another full year uh, behind the wings to try to get their role in their starting spot. And you're seeing a lot more, you know, hey, I'm, I'm done waiting. Um, there's a player that was supposed to be, you know, a junior possibly leaving this year. But instead they, you know, got that extra year of eligibility and they're going to play another year and have a potential another one on top of that. And I'm it's too, you know, I need to go to a spot where I know I can play now. I know I can sign something now. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that kind of gets overlooked. Okay. So let me ask you this. Do you think that coaches are kind of doing the same thing? Here's why I'm asking you that. I don't mean like there's a transfer portal for coaches or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying do you feel like a coach is trying to go somewhere where there's a brand name for him to where he feels like he can be – he can pull in those kind of guys. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if you're at Miami, maybe you can't pull in the same guys that you can at USC. You know what I mean? Do you feel like that that's why, because I wanted to bring this up. These are just the big names, okay? These aren't even the small names. These aren't the, you know, San, or New Mexico states and all that that got new coaches this year. Just big-time schools. Miami, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma, TCU, Texas Tech, Oregon, USC, Washington State, Florida, LSU, Notre Dame, and SMU all changed head coaches this year. Dude, that's insane. When have you ever seen that? You Usually haven't. It's like, it's usually yeah. it's like one or two jobs, you know what I mean? Like come up and then they're gone and that's the talk of the town. But now there's so many of them I can't even keep track of them. Yeah, um, I think it's it's probably reasons for some of the things we said. Some of it is for money. Some schools now, maybe with the NIL help, I'm not sure. Uh, or just, you know, the, the amount of income and they're seeing that, hey, money talks. And I mean, one of the big reasons why at least Brian Kelly rationalized why he left Notre Dame is because LSU offered so much money. But I think also it was just a strange year where it was a domino effect. I mean, you had LSU open up first, right? So Ed Ordron gets, uh, you know, not fired midseason, but basically told he's not coming back. So we know that spot's open. Oh, he got, he got. Water boy fired, like down in the bayou. You're fired. Like <laughs> you're, <he> got... <laughs> you're fired. So he's he's out early on, right? So that already starts the mix. Then we uh, actually, I take I take it back. USC was the first one, and they had gotten rid of um, what's his face, um, Todd something or other. You they they get rid of him almost at the beginning of the season, and then that's a big time school whether people believe it or not and whether or not usc has been relevant in the last two decades or decade and a half is one thing but it's still a huge brand name i'm sorry it's still a historical huge, huge brand name okay dude and not and on top of that not just on top of the brand name just think about the recruiting tool that you're at, that you have out there 
in California and the fact that you're recruiting kids to the beach. Like, just think about that. You know what I mean? Like, they have every advantage in the world. They have money, they have recruiting, and they have location. You know what I mean? All those things. And they're in a conference where you can still shine and not have to get beat up like you do in the Big Ten and the SEC every week. No, I agree with you completely. And, I mean, I think that's another reason why we've seen this big carousel because then you're seeing a bit of, a, you know, one domino falls, then the next. And when you have a big coaching vacancy open up, sometimes you need a big name to fill that. And when a big name fills that, it opens up another big coaching vacancy and so on. So some of this is partly due to that domino effect of a big job opening up early on. Another one is due to some of these schools are now starting to pay out, you know, enormous amounts of money, um, giving big, long contracts, multi-million dollar contracts that you've never seen in college football before. And it's all kind of played into the same role. So I think that's kind of one of the reasons you're seeing that. And it's just one of those periods. I think they kind of come in waves where you're just kind of seeing a big overhaul with some big time schools. Do you think it'll continue? Yeah, I think I think this is going to be a lot more continuous. I think it's going to happen more often than it used to. And I think that, you know, plays a role also in the fact that you're not going to see a lot of players constantly staying three, four years waiting their turns as much anymore. You know, people want to go play now. People want to go win now. Um, the money is there for a lot of schools to try to, you know, buy this success. But realistically, if you think about it, you know, you can try to do that and you may see some intermittent success, but until you build continuity and you really establish, you know, a culture and a, you know, a good solid base for um, some of these programs, I mean, the, it's it's going to be window dressing, in my opinion. You know, you can hire the next popular guy at this next school and get a couple recruits. You may have a good, decent year, but unless you start getting some continuity, that's why Alabama has been so good for so long. Okay, I know they keep changing over on some D coordinators and O coordinators, but for the most part, they have a lot of things that have been set in place for the better part of a decade plus. And Ohio State's had changeover. LSU's had changeover. Clemson is starting to have some changeover. Um, Georgia is probably the next one up that's had more continuity for a longer time. That's why we're seeing that success. So we're seeing a lot of this changeover. And I think we'll continue to see it, but the teams that are going to start rising to the top are the ones that are going to have coaches that have been there for a little while, that they've finally established, you know, what they're wanting over several years. And um, I think that's kind of more, more the recipe for success, in my opinion. See, and this is why everybody called me an old fuddy-duddy and all that stuff every time that I mentioned – who the, the hell called I, you a fuddy-duddy? Were you over at your grandma's house or something? I mean, yeah. Dude, I, I was sucking down a uh, a butterscotch. <laughs> right? And she, yeah. And, and <laughs> drinking out of a whole milk. She's, She's like, here, have this Werther's original. And I did. Have this Werther's <laughs> and drink a glass of whole milk. Yeah. <laughs> Room temperature. But everybody's like, man, you know, you, why are you so against change? And to me, this whole situation, if I could just point to it and go, that's why. That's what I would do. Because the sanctity of college football, to me, has always been the fact that it was not like the NFL. It was, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still money. There's still power. There's still all those things involved with that. I get it. But it's just more pure than NFL football will ever be. And I think that this, yeah, this is taking that away. Yeah. Like it is. It's making it more like the NFL. It's making it more, like you said, a free agency. I don't want free agency in college football. If you go to Ohio State, I like the rule the way it was. You could transfer for certain reasons, but it wasn't a free-for-all. It wasn't a free-for-all you know, to where, oh, well, I got here, and it looks like I'm not going to start this year, so screw this team. I'm going over here. Like, I don't like that. Like, what are you teaching kids? What are you teaching men? It's the same thing I do like with my daughter. Yes, okay, maybe you made a mistake choosing the team you want to play for. Or choosing, you know, something that you're going to do in your life, but you committed to it. So you see it through. And then next time you make that decision, you'll have a better view of things and you'll make a better decision. What are you teaching kids? Like, oh, well, I don't like this. So I'm just going to quit. So what are you going to do when you get your first job? You can do the same thing. Well, the hell with this. I'm, I quit. You know what I mean? When the going gets tough, you just quit. No, you don't. You stick it out. Unless there's a legitimate reason for you to transfer. Or like you said, there's something. That's why they made the waiver system. But now it's too easy. It's too easy for everybody, dude. And we've just become, 
I don't know. It's just a bunch of whiners and criers. Like, I'm sorry to say, but that's just what we are. Like, kids shouldn't be able to transfer like this. I'm sorry. And I think it's going to ruin college football ultimately. Well, one, I will say is you're just going to have to get used to it because I think this is only going to get more more consistent. Um, I don't want to get used to it. It's going to. It's just going to be. This is going to be the new college football, unfortunately, in my opinion. I mean, there. I don't think there's any no, going back. No, this is going to be the new NFL, not the new college football. Well, it is. It essentially already is. Now you're paying players, and now kids can move around freely. So that's essentially what it is. The only difference is now you, they don't even have to sign a contract. I mean, they can go ahead and go somewhere else, and then turn around. I guess go somewhere else again. I mean, there's. I read there's the, you know, have you read the process and how it works? What the transfer portal? Yeah. Yeah, you say I'm going to the transfer portal, and then boom, you're in there. You don't it's even like, like have to contact like your magic. coach or anybody on the I know. You go to the know. registrar's office, and you're like, "Hey, I want to put my name in the portal," and they put it in. It has to be in within 48 hours of when you say. Yeah, that's like Ryan Day said he saw Quinn Ewers' name in there before he even told him. Which See, makes me feel just... like Quinn was. It made me feel like he was using the program the whole time. I I don't it, know if I could verify that, but I feel like he was using that to just make money his senior year of high school because he knew he was worth money. You know, he initially committed to Texas at the very beginning and then flip flopped to Ohio State because he said it was because he wanted to learn under Ryan Day. But maybe he learned enough this year under Ryan Day and got some free coaching in the process and cashed in on it and then was able to go back to somewhere he knows he can start next year. I don't know. I just don't see it being well. I feel like the the sanctity of college football is being threatened right now. That's what I feel. And like you said, we're only in the beginning stages. Who knows what this thing's going to become, what it's going to grow into. Who knows if we're even talking about the same issues next year or whether it's just extrapolated to the point where, you know what I mean, there's all these new issues too. I don't know, but I don't like the way it's going. I'm going to say that. Like I always thought like, you know, I'd look at an Ohio State lineup and be like, man, that guy right there, like he's a sophomore this year. You know what I mean? Like next year he's probably going to get a chance to play or whatever he may – but you know what? Now there's almost no guarantee at all about anything. Mm-mm. Like that guy, he sat there. Like we talked about yours this year. I said it from the very beginning. Everybody made fun of me because I used the Tate Martell reference. But I said, that guy's not going to sit. I said, he's not yeah. going to sit behind anybody. He did have a Tate Martell feel to him for some reason. Kind of like, you know, I, we knew he was a big name coming in. But there's just, I can't even put my finger on it. But there's some reason that I just kind of felt like he wasn't really a Buckeye. And I don't know. And I'm not saying this now because he's transferred. I always felt that way. Like it just, he felt to me out of place for some reason. It could and be that he I don't know. I don't know. I was digging it, but <laughs> I was just jealousy, really. But I it's mean, just, if I, if I could go, if I could grow golden locks like that, I, I, I would wear it too. Well, you could, but the only problem with you is there's no business in the front. It's just all party. It's all yeah. party, no business. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> it's like depression, happiness, depression, yeah. happiness. <laughs> Well, listen, let me let me even put it in these terms, okay? So let's say that you're an 18, 19-year-old kid. Put yourself back in that mind frame, okay? Yes, you're getting hammered all the time, and you're immature, and, you know, all this crap that we're dealing well, with. Like it's like 38. Yeah, but, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean. So the whole point I'm trying to make is put yourself in a mindset of when you were 18, 19, and now let me go ahead and hover a million dollars over top of you and say, hey, you're worth a million dollars, but if you sit here in this program, even though I know you may want to be here and you're not playing, you're not really worth this value. But if you can find somewhere to play, I can guarantee that you're going to make six, possibly seven figures. And you know that especially some of these big time players like Quinn Ewers probably has a bunch like a posse, so to speak, or people that is his inner circle that are probably trying to influence him, too. So who knows what the reasoning may be, but it does feel like a lot of this could be obviously, you know, motivated on the, on, uh, the money. And if you're 18, 19 years old, that feels like something that I know I would question. And it would be very easy for me to see all those commas in that, you know, in that money symbol and be like, "Eh, you know, I like this place and all, but seven figures sounds pretty good. If it was me, I'd be, I'd be changing up the way I recruit. I would, and I'd be looking more into the transfer portal if I was a coach than anywhere else because you know a guy you get from the transfer portal has burned his move. He's burned his move. So you know he's probably going to stick around when he comes to your school. A guy that's a five-star that you're thinking might be a quarterback in two or three years, he may not stay. So what I don't want to happen is this to become college basketball. 
because that's what it's feeling like. Like, who can put together the best all-star team for this year? Like, and that's who wins the national title, not who well, I mean, can that's kind of what it has always been anyways. I mean, but it's not, you have though, so much changeover. Yeah, but we've watched guys come in and get recruited, and they go through the ranks, and then they get their time to play. And then, you know, maybe by the time that that team is a little bit experienced, we end up competing for a national title. I'm talking about, like, okay, this year, you know, we need to bring in the best receiver we can find, the best quarterback we can find, whatever, and just throw them out there and see if we can't win a national title. And then next year, everybody will be gone, and the people under them might transfer out, so then we'll be rebuilding again. Like, I feel like it's just, it's not the same. So I don't know. You know, like, I think the recruiting game is going to change. I think everything's going to change because of this, man. I do. I think it is too, man. And I, I'd be lying to you if I could tell you that I even have a clue where this is going to end up in the next five years, next 10 years. It may look completely different. Um, I have no idea. I just know that, you know, I, I know we've struggled, me and you, talking about the transfer portal, not just the way it's set up now, but the amount of players that Ohio State is sending to the transfer portal. And I know I, we're not going to spend a, a much more time on this topic here, but we've had what? You even wrote a list down. We already had like seven players that entered the transfer portal. Yeah, it was quite a bit, man. It, it was when and I looked in there. At what point is this have to do with NIL, we think? Has to do with depth chart issues, not getting seen the field? And at what point is this a possibility of disagreeing with the coach? Or a culture issue, or a locker room division. Like I don't what's, know because, what's going on. Because I'm bored and also crazy. Um, I get on the transfer portal and see who's on there half the time. It's weird to me if you really take out the programs that are having major coaching changes. Okay, because I don't count that. Like I'm not counting that. Okay, like your coach is leaving. Like Brian Kelly's leaving Notre Dame. I expect some of those kids to be in the transfer portal. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't count that. I'm talking about schools that didn't have a large coaching change that are pretty much remaining the same. And dude, Ohio State has as many of, uh, as anybody in there. Yeah, I know. I don't I don't know the answer to that, man. And I'm not even going to speculate. I just hope that Ryan Day knows what he's doing. And if he's really in for Ohio State and he finally, you know, I think fully gets this rivalry and really gets on board and is like becomes like a true buck. Cause I just have a feeling like he's not a true Buckeye yet. And I know that sounds almost blasphemy to say that, but you know, he's, he's from the East coast, you know, he's not, he didn't really grow up with this rivalry. And I think maybe the rivalry was taken advantage of. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I'm getting sick and tired of hearing about all this Michigan crap. Um, listen, they won the game. They have room to talk. And it's best to probably just stay off social media because it's a toxic, toxic waste dump right now. Um, for as bad as Michigan is going around right now saying, oh, you guys don't know how to take an L. Well, you're right. We don't because we haven't had to take one in 10 years. No. But what's, what's true here is Michigan doesn't know how to freaking win. And they're taking every shot and jab and everything they can possibly do because they haven't been able to say anything in 10 years. So on one hand... I understand why they're coming out so hardcore about all this, but at the same time too, they're trying to sit here and erase a three and 17 record over the last 20 years, expecting that one win just wiped out two decades of crappy performances. And people continue to neglect to understand that that game was still possible for Ohio state to come back and tie that thing up, even with four minutes to go. So don't sit here and, Tell me that, you know, it was not like we lost 45 to three and got blown out. You know, we only lost total yards by 20, 30 yards, and we shot ourselves in the foot multiple times. And Michigan showed up and played well that day. So, listen, it was bound to happen. I know I had said that before, but, dude, they have they've showed they have zero class, zero. And one of the big moments I want to point to is obviously at the Heisman ceremony. And, of course, you have Desmond Howard there who's been, you know, game day, ESPN analyst, all this stuff, is sitting there and they're doing the interview with Aiden Hutchinson. And Aiden Hutchinson says what you would expect them to, that, hey, I came back late my my senior year because I wanted to beat Ohio State and I want to big, win a Big Ten title. Hey, more power to him. He, he, he showed up in that game. He played well. He had every right to say that and had not a problem with him saying that. And then, you know, 
Tim Tebow kind of steps in and goes, oh, good thing, you know, Kenny Pickett's there between you get two. And, you know, everyone kind of has a little smirk about it, like, okay, yeah, there's a rivalry here. We got CJ for Ohio State and we got Aiden for Michigan, blah, 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 whatever. So all good and fun there. And then Desmond Howard decides to then go ahead and slip in a comment. Yeah, well, better than Ohio State's offensive line. And, like, the whole room was just like, oh, nothing. You almost heard even in the crowd, in the background, kind of a, ugh. You know, just like, this, dude, what are you doing? And, you know, they kind of pick up on another conversation, just try to keep rolling on. But, I mean, that was so classless for Desmond Howard to do. And I've not been a fan of his anyways, but that was so classless for him to do because that was a terrible moment to bring something like that up because you're talking to a kid on a night that is supposed to be special for him, even though he probably knew he had no chance of winning the Heisman, you still get invited. You still get to have all the benefits of being there on Heisman night and meet some of the old Heisman players and get to see the trophy and get treated out to dinner and all that nice stuff. You get to take your family. You know, that's a special evening. And to have someone that's been out of the game for a while and supposed to be an unbiased analyst sit there and take a, a crappy jab at you while you're on the stage on your night, dude, that was that was such in poor taste. I love it. I love every I, second of it. God, you, I disagree, you man. I disagree with you. you. I understand you, where you're coming from, but I disagree with you. You don't even know where I'm coming from yet. Yeah, from Ann Arbor, apparently, where you're, no. it sounds like you're getting ready to move. I love it, dude. Here's the thing. Here's what I've always said. If we're going to kick Michigan's butt every year, then fine. Kick Michigan's butt every year. But the year that they finally kick our tail, do not come out here with this soft-ass shit. Well, I'm mad about what he said. The hell with that. Eat it. And use no, it no, next no. year. You're missing the point. No, I will you're argue. not. I will you're fight missing you the on point. this. Desmond Howard said what he said because it's true. Our offensive line was trash. And he exposed it. And he sacked our quarterback three times. So what? So what? He didn't say anything that was wrong. He didn't say anything that was untrue. And you know what? I don't care what anybody says. He went to Michigan, dude. He played in the rivalry. Are you kidding me? He's never going to be unbiased. And neither is Kirk Herbstreit. And neither is Chris Spielman. And neither are any of these guys. In the back of their mind, I have no problem with what he said. I hope he says You're it again. You're missing the point, dude. This is a time and place. This is the equivalent of going to someone's funeral and she's laying in the cash. Be like, well, you knew she was a pretty big whore, right? Dude, it's not a funeral. It's a kid that knows he's not winning the Heisman <laughs> sitting on a stage taking fourth. By the way, I have a problem with. But anyway, yeah. he's taking fourth on the stage. Don't get You know me what I mean? I and and he throws a little jab in good fun. When do we become so soft? Why are we so soft? Dude, you're completely missing the point. Had not a problem with the context of what he said. It was all about in the moment. Like, no, that's me, what let, makes it no, soft. That's what I'm no, saying. No, no, it doesn't. Because we know how to win. We know how to do it at least somewhat gracefully. Do we give Michigan a lot of crap? Right Have we now? given them a lot of crap over the last 10 years? Absolutely. But tell me one time publicly that someone that's supposed to be an unbiased analyst. Let's do Kirk Herbstreet, for instance, because he's an Ohio State guy, right? When has he ever vocally given a jab at Michigan at the expense of them losing? Has Joey Galloway? No, he hasn't either. Yes, tell me he when. surely has. Go ahead and find it and tell me when he has taken a jab like that. Oh, my Especially gosh. Dude, they make little jabs all the time. Player. It was not that big of a deal. Why is everybody so soft, man? I just don't understand that. So what? Who cares? Well, they deserved it. I have had a lot to drink tonight. It does make it a little more difficult. But <laughs> I get I'm like, but you know, like, why do you? Dude, I love that. I hope they say that. It's making the rivalry strong. I hate Michigan it more is. this year than I have in the last 20 years. I am, Trust me. I'm on board with most of what you're saying. I really am. And maybe it's just me even trying to concoct some anger up. Because, let's be honest, over the last 10 years, even though it's been great beating Michigan for the last decade straight, there has been a little fire lost. Because we've maybe gotten a little complacent knowing that we've beaten them that many times in a row. And we haven't had to experience that the the loss in a long time. So now that we're experiencing it, and that's why I know that you've told me, I've told you we've been sick to our stomach about it. It's almost like ruined. It's like it, we still feel it, man. And it's almost kind of like I think a lot of people have gotten complacent with Ohio State constantly winning that game. And the fact that we finally lost one, it's not that we don't know how to handle it anymore. I think it's finally lit that fire back under us as well, and maybe the players and even the coaches. I mean, it's one thing to sit there and say, you know, hey, 
we hate Michigan. We need to play better in this game. This is the game we're preparing for. Now it's going to take on a whole new meaning going into next year's game. There's going to be so many jabs and so much crap talk and so much bulletin board material and everything. This next game, I'm calling it right now. If we want to rewind back to this episode, I'm calling it right now, is going to be the hardest-hitting, most fired-up, most crap-talking, insane Ohio State-Michigan game that we've probably ever seen in our lives. And I'm calling it right now because you know how you feel right now. You feel like you could run through a wall. Yeah, and I love that it bothers you. Don't get me twisted. I love that it bothers you. I hope it bothers you. I hope it irks you. I don't feel the same way as you do about it, but I hope it bothers you. It should bother you. I hope it bothers you, man, because that's going to be that's going to be what keeps you going next year, man. That's the fire. That's the rivalry right there. I hope it bothers you every day until we play them again. That's the problem. It doesn't bother you. You're accepting it. You're you're sitting there accepting and being okay. Hey, talk your crap. You know what? I understand the meaning behind why you're saying it's okay because you know you should be able to take it and I get that. But screw them. Don't you ever tell me that you are okay with Michigan saying anything negative towards us. Don't you sit there and tell me that they deserve anything. <laughs> screw them. They played their best game. They were fully prepared. We can make up all the excuses we want, but at the end of the day, we didn't play that game well. I know there was flu issues. I know there was other issues, but listen, that's not an excuse. You play through that stuff. Next man up. It is what it is. You know, we're not sitting here uh, talking about, you know, five, six years later about you know, how JT was short or he made the line. Like, that's what Michigan does. Are we pissed right now? Yeah. Are we not having all this Michigan crap talking about us? Yeah. But you know what? We're going to show up and we're going to show them next year that, you know, we're the program still to beat in the Big Ten. They just had a really good year, caught us on a year that we were young on the road, and it's going to, you know, they're going to end up eating their words next year. Just, I, I, I promise, if we can find a way to rewind back to this moment, I will be right. Okay. Anyway, before we get too much into next year, let's talk about what we got left for this year, and that is the bowl games, man. So so tell them what we're doing, Davis. So we're going to do a college bowl schedule pick them. Uh, where basically we're going to go through every single bowl game. What are there, 44 of them? And we're going to go ahead and pick our winners for each one, and we're going to have a bet for, uh, I guess, whoever ends up picking the most correct. We're not going based off of spread or anything. It's just a straight pick them. So um, I believe, what did we put on the line? It was for golf, right? Greens fees at Cook's Creek, man, because we, we've both been talking about we want to play there again. So uh, greens fees at Cook's Creek next year. And it's not the cheapest place. I mean, it's probably going to run you about 35, 40 bucks for the round. So well, you're going to be pissed when I get a filet. Filet? I didn't say anything about that. That's a turn. What no, are you talking it, about, dude? Greens fees include lunch. Greens fees does not include lunch because I will sneak food and drinks in that place. I will not spend a dime in a clubhouse other than the greens fee. You heard it here, folks. Just don't arrest him until he pays for mine. Okay. <laughs> you heard it here first. That's okay. The chance that we have someone work, uh, that works at Cook's Creek is listening to this podcast is about the same uh, about the same percentage I have of walking on at Ohio State right now. Well, I don't know, man. You talking about defensively or? <laughs> yes, I'm talking even defensively. I have zero chance of walking on. All right. Well, here's what I'm going to do, man. I'm going to roll through these, and you give me. I'll give you my pick first, then you give me yours. Okay. All right. We're just we'll going to go through the big know. ones now. And we'll talk just like a, a snippet on these. Like we're not going to spend a ton of time and the full uh, pickums for each game. We'll go ahead and post them on our Facebook page. Yeah. Um, and we'll be keeping track, but we're really only going to talk about what maybe about 12, 13 of these bowls. Yeah. So let's start. Uh, we'll just, we're, I'm going to go from the, the most recent date. game. Just yeah. go by the yeah, most recent game that we're looking at. Okay, the first one we're going to do is uh, Minnesota versus West Virginia. That's the 28th, the guaranteed rate bowl. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one. I picked Minnesota. Um, I think that they look strong uh, at the end of the year. Um, I saw West Virginia play a couple times. They didn't look particularly good, but I do know that uh, they do have some talent on the team. But I think it's going to be a relatively close game, but I think Minnesota's going to win that one. Agreed. I'll take Minnesota. Okay, down to the Cheez-It Bowl, which would be Clemson versus Iowa State. Who you got? Uh, I'll be quick. I'll let you elaborate a little more, but I got Clemson. 
Okay, I took Clemson based on the fact that no one in their right mind ever that's ever had a brain cell in their head would pick Iowa State. Okay, moving on to the Valero Alamo Bowl, uh, Oregon versus Oklahoma. You gotta, Who you got? You got, you, got, you got issues with Iowa State for some reason. I, mean, I feel like we've been bashing Iowa State a lot recently. Um, see, you know, maybe someday on this podcast we'll let it loose, but let's just put it this way: we're not a fan of their fans. I'll put it that way. Nice and little jab there. I like way. that. I like that. <laughs> All right. On to the uh, Valera Alamo Bowl. You got Oregon versus Oklahoma, man. Who you got in this one? This one's an interesting one. Um, you have two teams that are have different head coaches. Um, you have, And I, I believe they're immediate acting head coaches, if I'm not mistaken, right? So um, you have two teams coming in with Completely different head coaches, two teams that did not win their conference, that had hopes even almost uh, up to the last regular season week to still win their conference, that are not finishing on a high note. But they're still two pretty big-name programs that you know had aspirations of making the playoffs. So it's going to be an interesting game to see how much in this is actually pride and how much of this is going to be turnover. Because both teams potentially have players that could sit out for draft. You know, there's potential um, high picks in both these teams. But I kind of went with my instinct on this one, and I went with Oregon. I went with Oregon. Oklahoma sucks. Moving on. Uh, Wow. I really love your elaborations on these games. You're doing a spectacular job. Well, I'm doing more of a pick them, and you're doing more of a uh, explain why. I thought thought we'd at least make a little comment about these games. It'd be nice if you said Um, something. Yeah, I would like to maybe talk about, like, the New Year's Six, but you're down here talking about the damn guaranteed rate bowl. Okay. Well, well, it's guaranteed. <laughs> it's it is guaranteed. Listen, I uh, could guaranteed. I could shit in a box and slap a guarantee on it, but that doesn't mean nothing. Yes. Yeah, what I'm trying to sell you is quality quality <laughs> things here. To the Trans Perfect Music City Bowl, which would be Tennessee versus Purdue. I will take Purdue. I'm a fan of Purdue, dude. I think they're a tough team. Um, I take them over Tennessee. Who you got? I think we finally differ. I'm going to go with Tennessee. Um, I think Purdue does have a good Why don't you just be a Michigan fan then, since you don't want to root for the Big Ten? Wow. First of all, I'm not like the SEC, and I'm going to automatically (laughs) just root for my conference because my team's trash, and I try to ride the coattails of the best team in the SEC. I'm going to tell you a little story. That was almost intentional. I have to not root for every single Big Ten team because I'm not just a conference homer like the SEC does. I got a little something to tell you. I picked all big ten, all Big Ten teams. Well, why don't you just go ahead and roll tide then? Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> all right, go to the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. We <laughs> did got you lose your train of thought on that one. <laughs> I did, and also the uh, I was looking down at at my sheet here, and my eyes crossed. <laughs> <laughs> you I almost passed out, but then they steadied back out, and I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. Sign uh, of old age, or maybe you've had enough. Yeah, probably both. Um, Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, Michigan State uh, versus Pitt. Who you got? This is actually a really good matchup, I think. Not. Uh, Michigan State has a horrible pass offense. Pitt can throw it all along everywhere. So Pitt's going to kill Michigan State. Hey, you remember how I told you I picked all Big Ten teams? Yeah. I lied. I'll take Pitt. There you go. Yeah, right, next I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that one's going to be close. I mean, no, it would be nice for the Big Ten, but I'm just not a straight conference homer. I can't do it. All right, we got the SRS Distribution Las Vegas Bowl. Wisconsin versus Arizona State. Who you got? Uh, I did go Wisconsin on this one. Um, I know they struggled a little bit there at the end of the season, um, but they still have one of the top defenses in the country, and I think the defense will prevail in this game. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. I'm taking Wisconsin too. I have to, dude. We haven't differed on any of these yet. I have to, based on the based on the defense. You know, funny. Uh, yeah, we did. We, we differed on uh, Tennessee. No, we did. Okay, I'm about to say. So at least we have a tiebreaker in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm gonna take Wisconsin based on their defense. I, I think it's too much for Arizona State. I, like I said, I, I have a good opinion of of the Big Ten this year. A lot of people think all oh, they beat up on each other, and it was a bad conference. I think it was a great conference, and that's why we beat up on each other. I do too. So I think we're going to fare well this year in the bowls, and I think that's probably pretty reflected in my picks today. Yeah, and in recent memory, people don't like to 
recognize this. And like I said, I'm not just a conference homer, and that's because you know we're fans of Ohio State, and we normally run the conference, so we don't necessarily have to ride the coattails of other teams. But the Big Ten over the last handful of years has done really well in bowl games. So yeah. Anywho. Okay. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. Texas A&M versus Wake Forest. Who you got? Oh, that's got to be Texas A&M. Um, Wake Forest, I mean, it was a good story this year. They have a pretty good quarterback, and they gave a run at the ACC championship game. But, sorry, I think Texas A&M is going to be able to handle them. I'm going to take Texas A&M as well. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, they're just too much to handle. Both of them have had flashes of good all year long, but I think ultimately from top to bottom – Texas A&M roster is just going to be too good. For I mean, Texas A&M beat Alabama this year. Do you think Pitt, or I'm sorry, not Pitt. Um, do you think that... Uh, Wake sorry. Forest, I'll help you. Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Do you think Wake Forest would have had a shot against Alabama? No. No, I do not. No. no. So I think there, there's a there's probably a decent talent gap there. And I think just Wake Forest had a really good season in a rather weak ACC. And they're going to get exposed. Moving on to what I want to talk about. The Goodyear Cotton Bowl, a.k.a. four versus one in the CFP, Alabama and Cincinnati. Who you got? Uh, it's no question. It's Alabama, and I don't think it's close. I want to be wrong, and I will be rooting on Cincinnati. Don't get me wrong. I think Cincinnati's been a great story. I know that we could go in tremendous detail about how Cincinnati even got in, but that's not for this episode. It's kind of been two years in the making, but I'm a Luke Fickle fan. I mean, he's an Ohio State alum. You know, uh, we we think highly uh, highly of Luke Fickle. Love what he's done there. I really want them to come out and make that game competitive, but I see Alabama winning that thing by 20. I am going to go with Alabama. Um, with my wallet, and I'm going to go with Cincinnati with my heart. I will say this though: there's a small inkling inside of me. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. I just have this feeling, and it's probably not going to amount to much. That's why I'm picking Alabama. But I would not be surprised if, for some reason, Cincinnati comes out and upsets Alabama. I'm just going to throw that out there. I wouldn't well, be surprised. I'd, I'd say the best chance for them to upset Alabama is to hat to go against that team this year. Because if they can find a way to limit uh, Jamison Williams, and they have, what, one of the best cornerbacks in the country, if I'm not mistaken. I don't, I don't remember his name. But Cincinnati has one of the best cornerbacks in the country. I just feel like when you're and, playing for what Cincinnati's playing for. Well, look at Alabama this whole year. Have they been super consistent all year? Have they struggled against some teams they probably shouldn't have struggled against? So there is potential. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying, like, I, I think the little giants effect is here. During this, I hope like, you're right. They're going to come right. in and say, like, you know, we're we're playing for all the small guys out there that haven't got a chance to get in here. And they, we know if we go in this game and get shellacked, they're not going to let anybody else in again until they expand the playoffs. Like, I'm sure they feel that way. So that I feel like they they probably feel like they're playing for more than just themselves. And I think that's going to factor in. I don't think they're going to win, but I'm saying I think they're going to play their hearts out. Yeah, I ultimately just hope it's a good game. I really do. I mean, you know, like a gun against my head, my house on the line, it's Alabama by 20. But like you said, the heart is, I hope they pull it out, maybe something like 27-24. And I think that's yeah. completely possible because Alabama has shown to be stagnant on offense a few times this year or struggle on defense a few times this year. They've not looked like world beaters this year at all. They've had maybe just a couple good games. When they played Ole Miss, they played a good game. When they played Georgia, they played a good game. Other than that, I didn't see anything that really impressed me that much. Okay. So, I mean, it's doable. I think it's yeah, doable. It's doable. I mean, Cincinnati's had their trouble this year, too. They haven't looked like world beaters um, against lesser teams in some instances. So, Like I said, I, I know with my head, Alabama's going to win that game. I just yeah. There's just this little twinkle in my eye somewhere where I'm like, there might be just this small possibility. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it's a good call. Um, okay, Capital One, uh, Capital One Orange Bowl, which is also a CFP uh, semifinal game, which would be Georgia versus Michigan. I want to hear yours on this one first because I already know where you're going to go. Yeah, I'm going to take Georgia. Oh, you surprised me. Um, and I'll tell you why I'm going to take Georgia too. Um, uh, Michigan played their hearts out versus Ohio State. Um, I think they exploited us 
in a different way. I still think Jim Harbaugh, I don't trust him in big games. Um, I don't think he has big game experience even. Georgia is going to regroup from this, man. They're going to come out hungry. Um, and, and I just see, I don't know, I just don't see Michigan being able to get the job done, dude. I just, I don't, I don't see it. Um, I would say right now, and if I give any betting advice to be right now, take the under in this game. Because Georgia's defense will be able to stop, for the most part, Michigan's running game. Um, where Georgia got exposed is in the passing game. And the first, you know, realistic passing threat they faced all season was in Alabama. They got exposed. So Michigan doesn't have that passing game. Michigan just has a complimentary passing game, and it only works if the running game's working. So when Michigan's running game gets shut down, they're going to be pretty stagnant on offense, and I'm not expecting Michigan to score a lot of points in that game. But on the flip side, I think Michigan has a really good defense, probably the best that Georgia's seen all year, and I think they have potential to stagnate their vanilla offense that we've called it before in the past. So I'm seeing it as a close game, but I think at the end of the day, uh, Georgia ends up pulling it out. Okay. Let's move on here. Outback Bowl, Arkansas versus Penn State. I'm, I'll be quick on this one. It's Penn State, it's the gut feeling. They're kind of a grungy team that kind of fights to the end. Um, not gotten blown out by anyone this season. They've had close games. Arkansas has been streaky, so I'm going to take Penn State. Okay. PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Oklahoma well, you didn't even tell me. You didn't even tell me yours on that one. I didn't. I tried to skip it. Damn it. Uh, Penn State. Definitely. All right. All day long. I think they're a tough team. Um, I just think they're way they're way too much for Arkansas to handle. I yeah, think and Penn I, State. And, wins I, and, this and game I think handle. realistically, Big Ten teams kind of have a little extra motivation when they play SEC teams, just because they're sick. Probably, you know, I know we hear it all the time, but they're probably tired of hearing about SEC being the best conference. So there's always a little bit of bragging rights on the line when you're playing an SEC team. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. PlayStation Fiesta Bowl, Oklahoma State, Notre Dame. Give it to me. Uh, Notre Dame. Ooh. And I'm just going to say Notre Dame on the fact that um, I did recently change on this. I was going to say Oklahoma State, but the fact that they've lost their defense coordinator and he will not be with them for the bowl game. Um, I think yeah, but Notre Dame lost their head little, coach. Yeah, but they, they've got a lot of motivation with who they got back. They got the head coach that they wanted that was internal. So it's not someone coming from the outside. They're going to be motivated in this game. And I just see I see Notre Dame pulling it out. Uh, I'm taking Oklahoma State. Uh, they may have lost their defensive coordinator, but I, I said from day one, I think Oklahoma State would beat Notre Dame. I don't think it's going to be any different. I really don't. I think Oklahoma, and I think Oklahoma by a decent amount too, maybe ten plus. Okay, it's an interesting pick, and I'll be honest. I mean, it, it could potentially be either way because Notre Dame has kind of been a little bit of a you know they 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 didn't play the toughest schedule, and the biggest team they played, they I guess, do. ranking wise, ranking wise, um, they lost to, and it was at home. So I get that, but that was early in the year, and they rattled off what ten straight wins after that, eight nine straight wins after that. Yeah. So Oklahoma State's coming off of a uh, kind of a bitter loss, you know, literally one inch from winning the Big 12 and potentially going to the playoff. So that could be painful. That could be hard to recover from. Being literally one inch from the playoff is what they were. Yeah. I think they rebound in this game. I mean, I could be wrong. It's just what I think. But, uh, okay, so let's go down to the VRBO Citrus Bowl. We got uh, your wife's uh, people versus Iowa. I'm going to call Kentucky, and partly because uh, I have gotten an opportunity to watch them a lot this year uh, because the wife watches them every week, and they're, they're a good team. They're well-coached. Um, I know Iowa is in the same boat. They're a good team. They're well-coached, but I think Kentucky has a really good running game. I think Will Levis, that was a transfer from, from Penn State, has been – uh, really productive uh, at the quarterback position, and Iowa really hasn't shown me anything in the last couple of weeks. So um, I can't. I kind of think Iowa backdoored their way back into the Big Ten championship game and then got exposed again. So I'm taking Kentucky. I think Iowa was one of those teams that I just couldn't figure out all year. Like they showed little flashes of this, and then they're terrible, and they're flashes of this, and they're terrible. 
I felt that way all year, but ultimately they were a huge disappointment to me. Um, Kentucky started off like world beaters and then kind of trailed off or whatever, but I still think they're a more quality team than Iowa, and I'm going to take Kentucky. Okay. All, All right. right, now Rose Bowl. we're going to skip the Rose Bowl. So, obviously, the Rose Bowl's coming up. We're not going to pick them yet. We're not going to say anything yet. We'll save that for our pregame show, so be on the lookout for that. But go ahead and skip over to, I think, the last one we're going to address. Yeah, which is the uh, All-State Sugar Bowl here. Well, I, I do want to do after this, um, we'll do the Sugar Bowl, and then uh, you give me a national championship uh, prediction, like who it's going to be and who's going to win. Okay. Uh, so let's go to this one first. Uh, All State Sugar Bowl, Baylor versus Ole Miss. I'll bet you a hundred dollars. You know who I'm picking? Ole Miss. Fighting Lane Kiffins, baby, all day long. Um, I told you I have felt for years. I got a soft spot in my heart for that a hole, uh, Lane Kiffin. You should probably seek. Still, you should probably seek surgery for that. Probably, I, I dude. I just think he's an underrated coach, and I think he's done it so many times, and he keeps doing it from the bottom and coming back up. Um, I think Baylor was kind of overrated all year long. I'll say that now. I, I just do. And I feel like uh, Lane Kiffin will ultimately win this game. Yeah. I'll make mine simple. Ole Miss. Cool. Okay. Give it to me now, man. Right now. Who is in the CFP National Championship? It's a rematch of the SEC Championship game, unfortunately. Dang, I think it's uh, I it's exactly what ESPN wanted. It's what they're going to get. And it's going to be an Alabama win. I think it'll be a closer game this time around. But I told you in the first quarter of the SEC championship game. And then you can admit it to all those people that are still listening to us that I almost predicted the exact score, final score, when Alabama was trailing in that game. I predicted almost the exact score of that game, and I said that Alabama is going to get a fairly cakewalk game, in my opinion, in the first round, and they're going to get a rematch and end up winning it all. So Alabama wins it all. I hate to uh, agree with you, but that's where I'm going to. I wish I could have picked Michigan. I, I really do. I would. I wish it could be that's, Michigan, that's Alabama. Blasphemy. That's blasphemy. As much as I hate the SEC, and as much as I hate the fact that they have two potential teams that can get in, just like they did what three, four years ago, uh, into a Tungvaluva's freshman season. You know, I cannot root for Michigan. I cannot. I hope they get curb stomped by Georgia. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm kind of. I think they will. Whether I want them to or not, I don't. Th- I, think I don't will. think it will. I don't think they'll get curb stomp. I wouldn't I say curb stomp. I think they're going to lose, though. I think they're going to lose too. I hope they lose, and it's not and me for SEC. It's just I can't root for Michigan. I don't see there being a recipe where Georgia beats Alabama. I just don't. I, I don't think either. Saban has their number, and I think he's going to dial that crap up real quick. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think they're going to be able to make enough adjustments. I think they make enough adjustments where to be closer game, but. Alabama is going to be too much offensively for Georgia to be able to handle. Because, like we've talked about all year, we think Georgia's defense was overrated. I know they had really good numbers, but they played nobody. They played nobody with a competent offense. And when they finally did, what they do? They got exposed by what forty-five points. Yeah. So yeah, big I don't, I don't see too much difference happening. So I think it's Alabama, unfortunately, and I think it's going to be a relatively easy road. So I will say this. Uh, this is one of my favorite times of year, man, picking these bowls. So much fun. Um, if you guys agree, disagree with who we're picking, whatever, and we post this thing online, man, let us know. We'd love to chat about it. Let us know why you think somebody's going to win that we don't have winning or vice versa. Um, it's the best time of year, man. Yeah. So I would just say this before we leave you guys, just, you know, bowl season is special because it's the coronation of finishing out yet another season. And the off season always seems to take way too long. Um, and it is. I mean, it's a good solid eight months that we don't get to see another football game. I'm not counting spring game or anything like that. So, you know, it, it's a big gap, and the season always seems to go so quickly. I feel like it was just yesterday that we were talking about opening the season at Minnesota and figuring out what kind of players T.J. Stroud was going to be. So, you know, th- this off season upcoming, we're going to try to implement a lot more interesting things and, you know, some kind of off the wall topics and hopefully maybe some interactive things that you guys would like to hear. But just all I would say is take in this bowl season, try to watch as many games as you can enjoy it because, you know, we're going to get another eight months without it. So that's it, man. 
So uh, everybody out there, um, enjoy your holiday season with your families. Watch some football, drink some beer, and Davis, tell them where they can find us. All right. As always, you can find us on all major streaming services, iTunes, uh, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, YouTube Music, and more. Um, we also post these on YouTube. Uh, we've been a little behind on that. Um, I know we don't have we? as many. Hey, listen. This is the. Is it dotting the we, I with we, just we? Davis? It's is this, is, is this just dotting the I with Davis? Listen, or I've Davis never been Chad? to friends, and I don't know we. Okay. <laughs> Let's just say that we're a tiny bit behind. We are a tiny bit behind, but we will get caught up, and these will also be found on YouTube. Um, and also if you haven't had the chance to yet, uh, head over to our Facebook page, uh, give us a like, uh, join the page, um, interact with us. We love getting the interaction on there. Uh, we're starting to kind of grow even more, uh, from the social media aspect. So definitely get on there. Uh, we do put out some Twitter posts and things like that, but, um, yeah, just kind of keep up to date with us guys. And, uh, we'll be putting out the next episode, uh, hopefully here by sometime next week. All right, guys, as always go bucks. Oh, wait. Thank you.